podcast. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and a lesbian. I'm bi-trans Lebanese and we are recording out of Houston today. Yes, and this is just an episode with Ellie and me. Hey, darling. I love you. I love you, too. I will just be asking Ellie some questions about herself and vice versa. Some of this stuff might we might have mentioned on past episodes, but it'll be nice to have an episode just full of this kind of thing. Ellie, how are you today? I've been on a day-long losing streak in video games, so I'm kind of like, let's do an interview. You seem a little salty right now. Very. I felt the same way the other day because we were playing Puyo Tetris and I lost every single freaking time and I started getting very frustrated. I was playing against Ellie and Ellie was winning every fucking game and I was getting so fucking pissed off. I'm actually getting frustrated thinking about it. (laughs) And I just kept saying like, wow, I am really, uh, this is an accomplishment. How many times can one person lose in a row? For me, it was about 17 today. That was probably about the same for me. The high other five. Day, high five. And um, same with Mario Kart. I'm getting better, but I, same thing. Like, Ellie is always in first place. I'm at least in second place, if not eighth. So. So, as you can guess, we're kind of into the Nintendo Switch lately. Yes. Um, we are. And what else? So, Ellie, I wanted to just ask you some questions. Answer what you're comfortable with. Tell me if any of my questions are not good for public consumption or if you just don't feel like answering them. All right. So, Ellie, um, can you talk about uh, your background? Like... When did your parents immigrate to the U.S.? Um, Yeah, start with that. So um, my parents immigrated to the United States in the 70s, right before the Lebanese Civil War. They were talking about how everyone sort of knew something was going to go down, but no one knew exactly how it was going to go down, and then it went down. Mm -hmm. And my dad was basically had been accepted into Rutgers University, and my mom has had already been studying abroad and eventually they met up in america and they had me and they got married probably in that order Mm -hmm. um so what did they do you think your parents like foresaw that they would leave lebanon or was it just kind of unexpected uh no no they definitely both of them foresaw leaving lebanon because i like the I, the way to describe it is like like I said they knew everyone sort of knew unrest was coming yeah you know? mm-hmm. basically the entire region is was still very much in the throes of decolonization plus the cold war plus its own regional bullshit plus and so people were looking to get out i mean lebanese have always been leaving lebanon you know that's why we have like huge groups of lebanese fucking everywhere um yeah it was really interesting like being out of the country recently we were in latin america and in i don't know it it just seems so random to me like how much lebanese influence was where we were because we were seeing menu items that was like definitely straight out of lebanon it was really cool for me to see that like i didn't think about I never made that link. Uh, so. Basically, there was a tapas menu, which included kibbe. Kibbe, um, I saw kafta somewhere. Yeah, there was also kafta. Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, 
So when you were growing up, did your parents speak Arabic at home or English or a mix? So when my parents were raising me, basically they were like, because they were new immigrants to the Americas. Jimmy Carter just had had been defeated in the election. The Iran hostage crisis happened. Reagan came in and air quotes, saved the hostages. And everyone was very much anti-Iran at that point. And as we know, Americans are not very discriminatory against the brown people. You know, so... They lump everyone together. They lump everyone together. Plus with the ongoing wars, plus with the beginning of the Palestinian uh, hijackings, plus, you know, Nasser, plus, you know, the non-aligned nations movement and sort of playing the UN and USSR against each other, plus, plus, plus. Mm -hmm. They wanted me to be as American as possible. So they spoke Arabic to each other, but never made an effort to really teach me anything. So... uh, I knew it apparently enough when I was young, but I lost it as I grew older just because I never really used it in my daily life. Yeah. And you. Lo- and when you're older, you're out of the house more, at school and all that. I mean, my primary peer groups are, of course, my actual peers. So they were all just basically white dudes in an upper middle class neighborhood. So okay. no one there spoke Arabic. I didn't have anyone in my school who very much looked like me or wanted to associate with somebody who looked like me. So... There might have been Arabs, they never spoke to me, or at least never made a thing about it. But I was also like mm-hmm. 10 to 15, so I had all I had other things going on, like the whole puberty thing that I was not very happy about. Right. That got fixed. Yeah. Did, later, did your parents like regret not teaching Arabic, or do you think they're cool with how they went about it? They... I think they regret it a little now, but they don't regret it in hindsight. Basically, they didn't want me. They were thinking that the less that set me apart from the Americans, the better. So not knowing another language, not having, you know, an accent. Yeah. And then, oh, okay, go ahead. And generally not getting caught up in the discussing politics of the Lebanese war every fucking night through the 80s and 90s, because every time the family got together, there was like the TV was on to whatever news station was talking about Lebanon or the Middle East or the war or had some asshole chic talking. Yeah. Um, so what are your memories of being in Lebanon? I know you visited several times, right? Uh, visited a few times. My only real memory of that is hanging out at my grandmother's house mm-hmm. and eating a little food and watching so much David Hasselhoff's Knight Rider. Seriously. They brought nice. they brought me tapes and it was subtitled in Arabic. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's in random. Um, so like any other memories that come to mind of being in Lebanon? Uh, no, although they keep telling me stories about how I was like so so like mystified when they had to take um cover in the cellar because the bombing had begun again during one of our visits. Yeah. And you don't remember that at all? I don't remember it at all. I mean, you're really young, right? Pretty young. Wow. And it's kind of tough. It's not, I'm not going to say it's kind of tough. It's going to, it's more like my stronger association was my with my family than the place. That makes sense. So, yeah. I wasn't going to Lebanon. I was visiting my grandmother, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, everyone spoke Arabic, but in my family, who is also like my, primary social group for a long time mm-hmm. everyone spoke arabic and i usually caught enough to cape up and not to speak yeah yeah and then 
I know you've mentioned this on past episodes, but when did you first bring up the trans topic with your parents? Um, well, I was thinking about it when I started thinking about it when I was 12, and this is 12 year old in East Texas, in suburbia, in the uh, early 90s. And my only exposure to trans people in the media had been like Jerry Springer, which is, of course, not the most flattering. For those who don't know, Jerry Springer, before he was an elected official, um, was a daytime talk show host who was notorious for basically having the trashiest shit on in there. So, like, who's the real father was... He was basically the inventor of who's the real father. Oh, I thought that was Maury. Okay, Maury took that from Jerry Springer, you think? I think he stole it from Jerry. But I could be wrong. I'm not the biggest... But I did... I do remember like my first trans people I ever saw mm-hmm. and then having to confront their boyfriends. So I also, so I pretty much recognized like, whoa, that's an option and whoa, they're treating them like shit. Yeah. So I kind of had both the impression that these people existed that I was like, well, I want to do that. But I also like, I recognized immediately that these people are going to get treated like shit and so am I. Yeah. And while I'd hoped my parents wouldn't, but I was proven, proven very wrong for a while. Yeah. They got better. Didn't you say you wrote a letter? I wrote a long-ass letter. I was... And they found it, right? You didn't give it to them? They found it because I'm dumb and 12. And then what, what happened when they found it? They sat me down and basically shouted at me for six months. What kinds of things did they say? Uh, well, my father was concerned that I wanted to be a prostitute. At age 12? At age 12. You were 12. aspiring to be a prostitute? Aspiring prostitute. Uh, my mom was like just basically in tears the whole time and didn't want to talk about it much. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, her primary concern was one, no grandkids, two, no wife, three, uh, my future is over and I'm basically a sex worker from here on out. Oh, yeah. When did like the rest of your family catch on that this was a thing? Uh,. I didn't really say much to the extended family on my mom's request just because she was like, look, you can't talk about this to the rest of the family. And yeah. I was like, you know what, whatever. So you went I kinda, I just for went a while it. without them realizing? Well, basically I shut up about it for a while. They stopped yelling at me and I tried to tell them again, yo, this is really a thing. Yeah. And the third time they put me in therapy and to the doctor's credit they're like why don't we try hormones and we immediately stopped seeing that doctor oh the doctor said that the doctor was cool with me the doctor was oh like, and then your parents were like oh no no not what we we're trying to do yeah oh well yeah i if i remember right at the time it was the same they were basically seeing a marriage counselor because their marriage Basically, my parents have been threatening to get divorced since I was about in second grade. And they finally got divorced when I was like 32, so. (laughs) Took a a little time. Yeah. They wanted to stay together for the kids. And then, like, basically, my dad's inertia and my mom's not wanting to rock the boat sort of contributed to staying beyond that. Yeah. So then um, you transitioned during college, right? Yep. Or like right after college? Yeah, I was pretty much seeing a, a really cool therapist for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, a friend of my mom's for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And she wanted me to see somebody good, so I saw him. He was very kind, recommended hormones. So we basically hormones and antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And antidepressants are good. Sh- it was good, didn't work immediately for me. And basically, I never found a working combination until like my 30s. Yeah. 
because I've been going on and off and I was like, oh my God, this sucks. I have no feelings whatsoever. Oh my God, I'm basically a zombie. Oh my God, I don't know what, I'm basically completely fried. Yeah. And, you know, basically adventures and testing out medication, finding out what, how it impacted me, then coming off of it very slowly. Oh, wow. Because... For those of you who don't know, um, your brain does develop a somewhat but non-permanent dependency on medications or on like SSRIs and whatnot. If you just stop taking them for like immediately, like cold turkey, you're going to get like severe headaches. Mm. You're going to be pretty much like fried for a couple of weeks, like and maybe migraines and whatnot. So yeah, you have to come off slowly on it and it takes like up to six months initially to see if it has any real impact on you. So slow in, slow out. Thankfully, the stuff I found that actually worked for me just mm-hmm. was incredibly cheap and and available without in a generic form that worked well with me. So cheap meds and solution. So I just have to remember to take one more pill a day. And that's on top of the whole transhormone regimen of two pills of oh. anti-androgen, yeah. which is testosterone blockers for those of you who do not speak trans-speak. And two estrogen pills a day one in the morning one in the evening so yeah okay well now that we talked about the serious identity stuff um let's get to know you other parts about you uh, other elements of ellie so what are your passions your hobbies my passion is being internet trash (laughs) oh how about your other hobbies being an internet trash is all consuming. I mean, do you see what I do with my life? I'm basically your average and she is a tech queen, but I'm also your basically <laughs> average internet shit lord or lady at this point. I'm trying to ask you like for real. <laughs> okay, so let people get to know you. I'm a straight up nerd people. I am anime, video games, comic books, and a deep love of low fantasy and cyberpunk. Low Examples? Fantasy, uh, low fantasy would be Robert Howard and George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. Basically brutal, you know, grounded consequences type stuff as a opposed to Lord of the Rings where everyone's sort of noble against the evil. Mm-hmm. Low fantasy is more shades of gray and brutality. Okay. Um, cyberpunk, of course, is my absolute favorite thing because it's one of the few like fictional genres that both addresses like trans issues indirectly, like transhumanism, go look it up. It's basically about humans being able to modify themselves through chemistry, through genetics, through um, technology. And mm-hmm. to be fairly blunt, uh, tra- transitioning via hormones is pretty fucking cyberpunk in my opinion. Hell yeah. That's pretty badass. Yeah, and part and part of it is because I am such a tech nerd, because for I this is sort of like a running almost a running gag in trans people. It's like a trans person is generally going to be interested in computers because it is a hobby that requires no friends and you know, a if you learn like a computer language, you're set for life in any job and it's a safe retreat. I mean, especially during the nineties, you can it was like going online was like this private little world. You can discuss anything and talk about trans shit and nice. like not get totally shit on for it. So back to cyberpunk. Um, of course, I love Gibson. 
uh, my darling here bought me a copy of a first edition signed copy of Burning Chrome hardcover. It's fucking awesome. Yes, I was so happy to find it. I was so happy to receive it. Uh, it has. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Gibson has written a lot of stuff that's been adapted into uh, into movies. Um, probably my favorite is Johnny Mnemonic, which was mm-hmm. adapted from several short stories in Burning Chrome. The movie is nothing like it, but the movie is so bad, it is amazing. <laughs> For those of you who want to go watch it, it has um, Dolph Lundgren, Keanu Reeves, and Henry Rollins. Put that, oh, and Ice Cube. Put that shit together. That is an eccentric and awesome crowd. And I love Henry Rollins, but the man can't act. He's basically Henry Rollins wherever he goes, regardless of the role. Other than that, um, of course, I'm a huge fan of Philip K. Dick. Uh, I love those old school paranoid um, sci-fi things. He's, for those of you who don't know, so Philip K. Dick was a sci-fi author in the 60s and 70s, and he did a lot of drugs. He, I would argue he puts Hunter S. Thompson to shame for the amount of drugs he consumed. Unfortunately, it also kind of wrecked him in the end. And yeah. But his work was awesome. For those of you who don't know his work, um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is his most famous work, which was adapted into Blade Runner. Don't ask. It it worked. And both are cult classics. And then, of course, in the early 90s and 2000s, it was like The Matrix. So, like, cyber... T- so, after, like, Johnny Nomad killed, like, cyberpunk movies in the 90s, mm-hmm. The Matrix brought them way back into fashion in the 2000s, which was done by the Wachowskis, who are... Who turned out to be later both trans women. Awesome. So, there's a through line for this, I swear. Um, but uh, yeah. other than that, comic books, I'm currently reading The Rat Queens, which is basically four really sassy women in a fantasy setting who are doing their own adventuring guild thing and doing lots of drugs, having lots of sex, and having lots of fun. It is a blast to read, and I recommend you go get it. What else am I reading? The guys in light novels. Less said about that, the better. Uh-huh. And anime this season would be My Hero Academia, which is, of course, pretty fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Watched Konosuba because Isekai is in fashion, and that's actually a fun one. Isekai is basically an anime genre that's for another world. It's basically, hey, protagonist has been warped from the real world to some sort of video game-ish fantasy world. And it's basically Japan has found out about 90s, web, or sorry, uh, early pixel web comics and decided to make it into anime. It is ex- the exact same fucking jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So. Uh, what else? I will ask you a few more things, and then we can flip this around. You can ask me stuff. Oh, yeah, and I oh. also started going to a boxing gym, so. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Getting those muscles. Beating those. Well, not you're not trying to beat asses, beat anyone's ass. You're like. God, if I actually punched, <laughs> if I actually punched a real person, I would probably cry for a week. I know, you would. Ellie stepped on. Our cat was it our cat's tail or one of our cat yeah one of our cats was it tail or foot or what? I basically stepped on and tripped over our cat and I basically apologized for to her for a week because she was like Ellie kind of, was so distraught yeah. yeah yeah she was yeah she was okay but Ellie just was really distraught um which I I would be too so I understand um so last meal let's say you're it's cliche but whatever let's say or no not last meal let's say you're trapped on an island and you have the resources only for one meal that you have to have every single day what would it be steak 
only steak. I'm talking a, a, a like entire meal. Steak, because if I have steak, basically I have access to cows, I have access to fire, and I have access to okay. enough like grazing land and like wild area for like cows to live to the point where I could slaughter them, have steak every night, and then there will be still more cows. But how would you get the rest of your nutrients? Well, there's all this pasture and land where the cows are okay. living. So. so you could have like vegetation. Yeah. That's fair. Nice. Um, if you could, okay, so you are in the tech field. You do like a lot I... of tech stuff. If you could, let's say if you were not in the job that, or the field that you are now, what would you be doing? My original intent was to be a, to, to be a lawyer slash activist type, but panic attacks kind of ruined that. Understandable. And I don't know, maybe a writer? Writer would be nice, like just I writing. I see you do that, doing that, being a writer. Um, or a journalist. That was what I originally went to school for. Yeah. Yeah. And what else? Wouldn't mind being like a... Wouldn't mind being a researcher for like basically anything STEM. Like I obviously wouldn't be teaching material, but I would definitely be happy in a lab. So yeah, nice. Um, all right. Well, let's flip this around. So, darling. Yes. What is the meme on the internet you hate the most? It is your fault. Ellie, I don't even know who's doing it. I forget. It's this freaking video where someone like only someone like edits out everything that this person's doing except breathing. So it's minutes. It's like several minutes of just and like I hate it so much and Ellie loves that I hate it. So that's my least favorite meme. I hate that it's just breathing variations of breathing in a row i think it's creepy disturbing pointless and unnecessary welcome to the internet darling <laughs> uh for those who don't know it's called no words it's on youtube it's basically all these 1980s like roided out wrestlers and in 80s american wrestling between the matches they would do these really really over the top interviews where they're like i'll get you and blah 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 and, and they to... take out just the breathing and they basically edited all that shit out and just have them sort of flexing around and breathing and looking really intense. So annoying. So, sorry, I'm petting a cat. Good. Anyway, um, so we already know about your background and your family. You're half Saudi, which kind of explains that you didn't really, your parents. Yep. Father's Saudi, mother's from the US and my father came to study as a lot of Saudis did in that era. Yeah, I was born in the 80s and um, a lot of Saudi men were coming to the US to study and learn English. And that that apparently led to a lot of half Saudi children, which I haven't met others who are half Saudi, but I hear that they're all over the place, <laughs> mostly with a Saudi father, father and then Raised in the U.S. Um, it's very common. So you've never, like, did you ever, like, look on the internet for, like, a group that's, like, half Saudi? Well, there are all these blogs about 
um, the complications that people face, like with legal stuff or inheritance, like a lot of different things. Um, so I have read about this stuff and I've read about this pretty common um, kind of pattern. I don't know, this common story, but I haven't actually met others who are half Saudi, um, except my own sister. So that doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just think it's really interesting. Like, I don't know, maybe eventually I'll meet others who have like similar so there's this like entire like, generation of half Saudis just in America. Yeah, and in a lot of other Western countries, like in the UK and so yeah. Germany. Germany was a big one because a lot of Saudi men um, at the time, I guess still now, were studying like engineering, and Germany was a hot spot for that. So there are a lot of half you'll see a lot of half Saudi, half German folks running around apparently. Um, so yeah, I'm one of those kids. My parents got married, um, and then like nine months later I was born. And, and how many months later you got divorced? Not long after. Uh, so, uh, he went back to Saudi. Did he I ever finish his degree? That I don't know. I think he did. I think he like went back to Saudi for a while, then came back to the U.S. and studied, continued his studies. But I don't know if he finished what he came to the U.S. to study for or if he finished his degree only in Saudi. And um, the Saudi government does this or at least did this thing. I think they still do it where they like they will pay for people to go study abroad. So that's what was going on. So that's why so many people were coming during that time and you know that was pre 9-11 so there wasn't like an issue getting visas and stuff like that like so. i remember like a little of in media that these saudi men had sort of this mystique of mysterious princes showing up in various places and shit and yeah it was both we it was weird and interesting and so i think it's very common for um from what i've read online and stuff my story isn't that unique um in that a lot of people in my situation like where we have a saudi father american mother we grow up in america you know we reach that age where we're curious about the saudi side of the family we get in touch then suddenly we're kind of immersed in it and like or you know if the family is like interested in getting to know you i got lucky in that I have enough family members who showed genuine interest and I've gotten to know them. I've met a lot of, like met a bunch of them, spent quite a bit of time with them, even lived with one of them, long story. So I've gotten a lot of exposure for now, like over half my life now. What so was it's your first impression of them when you met them? My first impression was these people look so much like me. Like I met a bunch of cousins at once and it's like I'm looking at myself over and over and over. And we have, there's a very specific look among the cousins in our family. Is it the nose? I think, yeah, it's like the nose. Uh, there's this very specific face shape and the eyes are all if you covered up the rest of our face i don't think you could tell most of our eyes apart it's a very specific shape of eyes and i don't know it was just like really trippy how about the cultural interaction like did they the cultural part was interesting um i i noticed a specific wacky type of humor that i had had my entire life and i had not seen it on my mom's side of the family and it's a very it's a like boisterous I don't even know how to describe it like this goofy boisterous like wacky humor 
And I saw it on my father's side when I met them. And I was like, for example, okay, maybe some of this is nature, not just nurture. Um, No, I don't. It's not even like a joke, specific types of jokes. It's just like demeanor in which we laugh or like get really over the top about things or like find really immature things hilarious. So I don't know. It was just like kind of cool. Wow, Saudis must love the memes on the internet then. Uh, I could see a lot of them actually liking those breathing videos, but I'm not. God damn it. Um, But yeah, growing up, my mom used to say that I reminded her so much of one of my uncles on my dad's side. Um, And then I... When I got to know him, I saw it for sure. Cultural differences have definitely been like um, the gender role expectations have been really difficult for me to grasp and to accept. I, I mean, I don't accept them, obviously. Are they are they cool with you working? Are they cool with you? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There are many women in my family who work, are professionals in Saudi and stuff. But it's more of a like... Even the simplest things of like the men get to lounge on sofas. The women are supposed to like be attentive. Make sure they have tea. Make sure this. Make sure that. It's it's just, it's hard for me to ever accept that kind of expectation. Or, you know, the very, just the expectation that you're a woman, you will definitely get married and have children. That's like something you're supposed to do. I have several cousins older than me who are female who have not done that and I know it hasn't been easy for them thankfully they have not been forced none of my family as far as I know have been forced into marriage I know it happens definitely happens in Saudi Um, within my family thankfully I have not heard of or seen that happen there are people women in their 40s who just haven't done it I guess you know it's once once you do it you are kind of expected to make that your life, to make that marriage your entire life. And maybe that's why they have not, or yeah, I don't know, so. Do they know about the L thing, lesbian thing? So a few of them do know that I'm a lesbian and it's not because I offered the information, it was like someone asking me directly. So I have three people, okay, three people have asked me out right what's up with this and i've been honest each time the three who asked me um are very open-minded very they have not shown me any hostility about it or anything ellie you have met one of them and she was very supportive she was yeah the the one i met was a complete and total badass she was a little weird but she was awesome (laughs) yeah she is she's very quirky Yeah, she like, she's very, she's different. A big part of her doesn't feel like she belongs in Saudi, but she also feels a strong enough attachment to the family that she will stay there. It's really hard to break away from that family socialization, I see, you know? Socialization and the financial support, like every aspect, not not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't see her ever leaving or moving out. Um, But she definitely thinks very differently than the majority of my family, I would say. There are the other two who asked me are men. They have been very chill. They were honest to me. Like they told me like, do not tell anyone else. Like if you can avoid telling the family, like please avoid it. One of them was like, I'm very, I'm very perceptive. And I just, I've had a feeling about you and I just wanted to know. So I was honest and 
yeah, his first reaction was like, hey, I'm here for you. I'm supportive, but do not tell anyone else. Yeah, they're, so. they're just looking out for you in that sense. Cause they, that's yeah, the, I trust him. I do. Because that's the only way they really know how to like protect you. Yeah, there are some others. My brother does not know. I, As far as I know, he, he is not aware, and I am not... Volunteering. I'm not in the mood to find out what his reaction would be. So I'm I'm just... I might never tell him because like it won't bring any good to my life, I don't think, to tell him. If you were to ask me in the future, I will be honest. But it's only if I think I think my rule will be only if someone asks. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, if they if they cons- would dare consider their wonderful cousin to be a lesbian, um, I think they would be I think they would be also self-aware enough to know that you're still a good person. And worthy of love and respect. Right. But yeah. that's my um, hope. I also got in a fight with my father over the phone about it because we got in a fight because he, in a roundabout way, found out I was involved with women. I don't know, social media, gossip, all that stuff. And then we got in a fight and I straight up, if you can't handle it, I don't know if I said like, fuck you, but I, I was very upset. This was so long. This was a long time ago, so I don't remember the exact conversation. But he hung up on me. We didn't talk for like for years. So I don't know if that counts as me coming out to him. I would say it does. I guess it kind of does. But I also kind of. You basically said, (laughs) "Hey." No, I know, but I don't know if he really took it as seriously as it was. Like, well, he was was mad about it. He was mad about it. I don't know if he took it as like, okay, she is definitely a lesbian. Or if he was like, oh, she's just like messing around. Mm. But either way, he was mad. There was no way he ever would accept it in his life. And he never did. And I know that still hurts. Yeah, it does. All right, let's move on to a slightly happier topic. What was your favorite coming out story? That is actually one of them in retrospect, because I feel like on one hand, it's very painful. On another hand, I'm like, I was just so blunt about everything that I it felt kind of cathartic. Okay, here's the one person I'm the most scared to say this to, and I'm in a very direct and blunt and saying it. So that's one of my favorites uh, in a way, despite it's the pain that came with it. Um, another, what's another fun? Do you want me to tell out. you mine while you figured it out? Yes. Okay, so this is like, I've been on hormones a few years. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely rocking the questionable gender look at that point. I'm very androgynous, but not like specifically male or female looking. So I run into this person who knew me in high school mm-hmm. and he's working at the food mall, the mall food court. And he gets off and breaks his sound with me because I'm there for other reasons. Mm-hmm. And he... He wants to catch up and he's like so what's up with you and it's like i'm like are you still in touch with anyone and he's like yeah it's like have have you heard any rumors on me and he's like yeah i'm like those rumors are all probably all true and that was all right and he was like that works so you're i'm like yeah that's the, the that's right and <laughs> it was kind of fun to say it like that because yeah you know, for one, it let me sort of confirm that people were talking about me. And two, it was a funny way to do it. Yeah. it's yeah. It helps when someone else presents you with the question or with the topic and you can just be like, yeah, you're right. All right. <laughs> then you having to initiate it. Um, I guess one that I liked. I've had several instances and I really appreciate these 
where someone's just like, hey, are you into chicks or are you gay or are you lesbian? And I'm like, yeah, and that's it. And I really like when it's just this like simple, straightforward, hey, so blah, and that's it. I don't, I don't think I have a specific interaction that I can point to, but I can definitely say that those really succinct, direct um, conversations are just, they always feel like freeing and just kind of like... On the one hand, if they're asking, they're probably like not so hostile to the idea because it's like... Exactly. They can, they would be like, wait, is she? Because they can actually approach the idea on their own terms. Whereas if you like me and come out to your family all at once and at the worst possible time yeah and that you're does like, not feel, sound fun <laughs> yeah 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 a lot of hostility a lot of fun yeah. with that um, um i guess i also like when guys have hit on me and which i hate i don't know like when guys have been inappropriate and hit on me and all that and i have been in a feisty aggressive mood and i'm like yeah i'm not interested in you or any other man say that i'm a lesbian it's always fun to see the reaction, unless they're like, oh, let me join or whatever. But when oh, they. Oh, those guys are the worst. Yeah, I hate, that. I hate that. But once in a while, it's really satisfying to see them like shut the fuck up and back the fuck away and leave you alone. I always feel really, yeah, fuck off. My favorite reaction to that was like somebody asked me if, you know, asked me out, and I was like, I'm de- I was just a, not in the mood. It's like, look, I'm, I'm not looking for anyone. I'm really not into anyone at the moment he was like are you a lesbian i'm like yeah sure why not and he's like oh mm-hmm. can i join i was like well i lied i'm actually bisexual would you be okay with like another guy and me nice uh-huh. it's like I know, it's, it's like then i look like really over here it's like i know somebody he's been dying to do this would you be the third how did he react walk the fuck away hell yeah god i love that shit so much well any more questions before we wrap this up no because no 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 we're not we're not even close to being done with this well we talked about me for 30 minutes i'm i'm no we only talked about you for like 17 okay no but ask me other stuff okay what's with you and your addiction to really really trashy media i don't know i i really don't know the shitty reality tv i watch sometimes all the shitty reality tv like the um, 90 day bride 90 day fiance yeah that's not that, that that's is like not, no it's it is no i i agree it's a trashy show but it's not nearly the trashiest of shows i watch i also got into that like what is it called i don't even remember what it's called where the guy who has multiple wives it's not sister wives it's another show that's similar i think just because like my job is so serious and very intense when i'm outside of work sometimes i will consume the most mindless things she watches a lot of learning available channel for, shit <laughs> a lot available for consumption i don't know i i get profession. the feeling i mean i read fucking light novels like which at is at least you're reading i mean i i read all the time but like well your reading is like I'm also <laughs> like the house of saud and you know and all this like really cool shit and whereas i'm reading too whereas i'm reading how not to pick up girls in a dungeon i'm reading that fucking series that sounds fun it is fun, and it's way more heartfelt and heartwarming, but God, it is fucking trash. It's probably less trashy than my... No, it's not. ...alternative to the Sister Wives show, whatever it's called. It's basically a harem... 
Jean type thing that has a really good fantasy setting attached to it. Anything uh, else, Ellie, before we end this <laughs> trashy dumpster fire of an episode? So that I think that's our episode tire. The dumpster fire. So what else would I ask? Give me a sec. That's fine. Take your time. No pressure. I will just be staring at you and staring at the time passing by. But no pressure, Ellie. I'm not staring looking at the mic and then at the clock and then at you and <laughs> doing this in a circle and continuing to repeat that. I'm not doing that at all. I feel like it's time to end up. Goodbye, folks. All right, yeah. I think we're done. Bye. Thank you all for listening. We are on thequeerarabs.com. We are also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Queer Arabs. And our other co-host, Ahmed, has the Arabic side of the podcast. You can reach him at thequeerarabsinarabic at gmail.com. You can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com.